Hey everyone, welcome to Parallel Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, joined by my co-host, Tim Tribble. We are a podcast that wants to come alongside you and your organization as we focus on eight growth points. I believe there are eight main areas you need to focus on and grow in your organization. And if you do that, you are guaranteed your organization, what you are leading will grow. Those eight growth points again are the leader must grow, the leadership team must grow, your systems must grow, your numbers must grow, your finances must grow, your expectations must grow, your facilities must grow, and you must grow your culture. If you focus on those, I guarantee you what you lead will grow. Today, we're focusing on growing your systems, and we have a great guest today. Tim, why don't you introduce us to our guest? Absolutely. Our guest today is Eric Smith, founder and lead pastor of Hope City Church in Bonita Springs, Florida, and the president founder of the Equip Group. He's also the author of book Momentum, which is what we're going to be discussing today. This is an interview and a episode that you are not going to want to turn the volume down on or press pause and go and do something else. Stick through it. You're going to get a lot out of this. So let's get right to it. Well, hey, Eric, welcome to GoCast. It's so good to see you again, my friend. Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me on. Man, tell us a little bit. You were just talking just before we push record here about what's going on in your church. And just tell us a little bit about your church and, and what's happening. Man, exciting, exciting things. Yeah, so my wife and I moved to Southwest Florida uh, December of 2020, so right in the middle of the pandemic. And in January, we started building the launch team uh, to start a new church here. And so yep. we spent 10 months building the team, laying the groundwork trying to grow a really strong team. And we launched the church October 24th. So what, just a few months ago and uh, yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. So yeah. So we, we launched, we had 400, I think an 11 at our launch service. And then after that, we, um, we just continued to grow. You know, most of the time you see about half of that 60% return after the launch. Yeah, yeah that's right. Church plants. We saw pretty much a hundred percent. And uh, now you know, a few months into it, we're seeing 600 plus people every weekend. And, and, uh, since October 24th up to when you and I are recording this, uh, we've seen 130 people indicate beginning a relationship with Jesus. So it's just been unbelievable. That is amazing. I, I love that. And I mean, this is not your first, uh, church pastoring and, and, uh, and you're kind of went back to it. And the reason why you and I connected, uh, initially, I think it was a couple of months ago is that you're the author of a book called Momentum. And we were we are kind of going through uh, you know systems and evaluating our systems and uh, reevaluating our systems and we're tracked you down and went Matt you're doing what we are exploring and so we had a conversation about that and so since then uh, myself and our staff have read your book uh, Momentum and highly recommend all of our viewers and listeners to to check it out because it's really 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 impacted us. And uh, we're working at implementing a lot of that stuff. So w- let's talk about that because before you planted this church, you were a consultant for for churches in and leaders in, and I mean you're a business owner and CEO type as well, you know, as, as well as pastoring. So <laughs> I mean, you got a lot on your plate, but you do it very very effectively. So what problem? did you feel called to solve by writing the book Momentum? Yeah, so I went into ministry, you know, in college, I became a Christian right before going to college, was, you know, very, very little church background. And uh, 
so been working in the church for a long time and done business stuff as well. And when I was working in the church, did youth ministry and then planted a church about 13 years ago and became multi-site. And then I pastored an established church, did revitalization. And in both of those environments, what I began to discover was as I was helping plant other churches, because we helped start a church planning network years ago called 242 Network in the state of Mississippi. You can tell by my accent uh, yeah. that, uh, where I'm from. But anyway, so what I began to notice is, you know, uh, most of the pastors that I know and you know, man, they, they're praying, they love Jesus, they're sharing the good news. And a lot of times they're not seeing results. And yeah. they're not, not only seeing results, but they're not seeing the results that they see stick and create sustainable ongoing growth. And so what I began to recognize and see was a lot of times it wasn't a spiritual problem. It was a systems yep. problem. Right. And I wanted to come up with a way to help churches, number one, have a clear vision and strategy and to build a healthy culture within their organization, within their church, among their team, so that it was not only sustainable, but where growth could continue to take place. So good. And it's so, so important because oftentimes we talk with, with pastors and these, I'm sure you encounter the same thing is, is the understanding uh, written or unwritten communicated or not communicated is if we just pray harder or, or God shows up more in our church, we're going to experience growth. But a lot of times um, it's not, like you said, it's not a spiritual problem. It's, it's a systems problem. So I love that. So can you give us a big picture overview of, of momentum system? And what you wrote about and what you consult? Yeah, so really, as I thought through what I just mentioned, you know, really helping have a clear vision and strategy and building a healthy culture, the things that really jumped out to me, if you're going to do that, is you have to know where you're going, right? So you, we created something called the big picture process. And it's just 10 simple questions that really make you bring real clarity and define what you are about and what kind of culture you're trying to create. And around that, we created some simple tools. Uh, one area or component of that is team. And we built a couple tools that you can read in the book about how to really get the right people on the team and how to not only get the right people on the team, but how to develop those people. Now, I want to be real clear. You, you mentioned that your team read Momentum. Momentum is a really short book. I wrote it yep. for guys with men in mind <laughs> thinking about yep. busy people. And I wrote it in a way that not only the lead pastor would understand it, but with the brand new intern that's 19 years old could read it and get it. That's who I yeah, was and about when I wrote the book was that 19 year old intern, because sometimes in church we speak over people's head and confuse. So I wanted to make it simple. So we had team and then how do we build culture? So I believe culture is number one shaped by your team. You know, yep. how you build a great culture is by getting great people. Uh, but not yep. only that, intentionally creating a culture. And when you think about culture, a culture is something that we experience, right? And so mm -hmm. when I think about culture, I think about how do we experience life? We experience life through our five senses. And so as we think about who we are as a church, our values, our vision, how do we help make that come alive in a way that people can actually tangibly experience it? And so that they can connect to the body of Christ and be part of what God's doing. So really intentionally creating a culture within your church for people to experience, but creating that culture within your team so that not only can your people experience, but your team members carry that culture. 
you know? Yeah. We used to always say, carry the vision in your heart and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's, yeah, you should, but you should also carry the culture in your heart and the other component. So we've got the big picture process, uh, team, culture, and then the other uh, two components are um, measures, okay? Because, you know, yeah. I think it was Pat Lencioni who said, somebody said it that was smarter than me, you know, what, what gets measured matters. Yes. And so if you don't measure it, then it won't matter in your organization. So you've got to define what is it that's important to you? What is your vision? What are your values? You do that in the big picture process because you may measure some things that other people don't measure. And, you know, for the last decade, you've heard this conversation, Kelly, it's been going around about we're changing the scorecard. We're changing the scorecard. And yeah, there's some things that need to be added to the scorecard, but you can't know what the scorecard should be and how to measure it unless you know who you are and what you're about. So we have yeah. to hone it on measures, just helping people define what they're going to measure. And then the last part, and this is really the, the, you know, the secret sauce I would say is the hundred minute meeting. Um, right. So with that component, you take your big picture process and your hundred minute meeting. And those are the two things that really help you get that momentum that is sustainable and help create the culture of um, what you would consider as high challenge, but also a high encouragement, clarity kind of environment. That's so good. And, and what's interesting, what I found interesting about reading the book and, and working through it with our team is, is individually we have, you know, we've talked about vision and explored vision and we've talked to big picture thinking. We've talked about individually about culture and address culture. And we've, we, you know, we've touched on meetings and how, you know, how do we get more effective in meetings? And of course we talk about team and, and all of that. But what I really found beneficial about the book is the order in which you put this in and, and basically the system within the system that of laying it out in such a way that kind of, it just makes it so clear and for everybody on the team and, and following the whole process, not just in pieces, but following the whole process is really what makes it work. So what, what are the benefits that you see in following the whole momentum system as, cause I mean, I think some pastors are saying, well, we do have vision or we do focus on culture, but what, what do you think is the benefit of following the whole system, uh, you know, system as outlined in your book? Well, I think it's all interconnected. And if, if, you know, it's like going to the gym and only working out your upper body. Have you ever seen those people that have stick yeah, legs, yeah, but they've got yeah. big upper bodies? Uh, yes. You know, you're like, uh, you know, what's going on, man? You need to, you need to do some squats. But it's almost yeah. like if you only did part of it, you know, you would be lopsided. That's a Mississippi yeah. term for you. You, you, yeah, you, yeah. you wouldn't be fully developed. And I think that's the part of making sure you've got the right team members uh, you can, you, you want to lay out your, you know, what is our strategy? So the big picture process through those 10 questions, it helps you define that, but you've got to have the right team to execute it. So you've got to figure yeah. out who's on the team. Do we have the right people? What pieces are missing? How do we evaluate the team members we have? How do we coach them to be better? Um, and so when I individually have worked with churches, I spend a lot of time that's not in my book working on that. Um, a lot of stuff that uh, an organization called giant has rent uh, written, uh, called Five Voices. I've also spent a lot of stuff on Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Pat Lencioni. So I use yep. those tools that are really helpful. But you got to make sure you got the right team members, and then you've got to create the culture uh, because you can have words on a wall, or you can come out of a meeting and go, "We have a vision, and we know what it is." But the culture, to me, and the team are really how you bring it to life. 
and make yes. it come to come alive. If you've ever been to a place like Disney, okay, and I yep. don't like everything about Disney, I don't want to go there because it's crazy and there's a million people. But when you think about it, you take somebody who Walt Disney had a vision, but it takes the team and all of the people and to create the culture that they do for people to experience it, for actually it to be real and for it to be, you know, the success that it is. And the same is true in whatever you're doing, whether it's a church or, you know, a business or whatever. And so that's why all the components uh, are so important. And then the measuring piece is, you know, it's like, if you don't measure it, then how do you know if you're being effective? You know, right, you're, just, right. you're just making yourself feel good. You're jiving yourself. I don't want to jive myself. You know, I don't want to make myself, oh, well, I'm doing great. We're doing great. And really things are backtracking or we're just spinning our wheels. And so I believe when you have all those pieces, it really helps bring clarity to that. And then the hundred minute meeting going along with the big picture process, it's what helps you not just have 10 questions that you answer and get clarity on, but the hundred minute meeting is what makes it to where you actually execute it. And it keeps stuff from falling through the cracks. So, so true. And that's the biggest thing that we implemented, you know, after our readjusted is, is the hundred minute meeting. It's been, yeah, it's been amazing. So, uh, the impact on that. So can you give us a real life example of a, a church that you work with before and after story of the impact of implementing momentum? Sure. Yeah. Well, I've, <clears throat> I've been blessed to work with a few and, um, one of the ones, and I'm really good friends with this pastor now, I'm, I'm friends with all the pastors that I've worked with, but uh, there's a church called Connection Church, and it's in Georgia. Yeah. Connection Church used to be, they started out as a multi-site church, and they did really well, and they had live preaching at each location. So it was almost like they were church plants more than multi-site, but they were interconnected. And then they ended up going out on their own, and now they have a network. It's, it's a really great thing, and they're planting churches, and I helped them develop their church planting network and all that, but uh, Connection Church, and um, I've worked with a couple of their different churches, but uh, specifically their one in Vidalia, Georgia. If you've ever heard yep. of the Vidalia Onion, you know, it's like a famous yeah, yeah. onion. Okay, they're in that town, and this church is killing it. I mean, mm. you're talking a small town in the middle of South Georgia, and this church, they started about six years ago, just exploded, and they're impacting people like nobody's business. I mean, just a phenomenal church. But they were feeling that same tension. And funny enough, I called him this morning because I wanted to just get his honest opinion. I said, hey, we've talked about this before, but I'm on this podcast today. And tell me again how this impacted your church. And he said, man, he said it helping us get clarity, but not only get clarity to have a system that everybody understood on the team and that really raised the bar. Because he said, as the lead pastor, I'm always thinking out vision long term. Right. And he right. said, before I was having to help my team and I was having to constantly work with them so much on them thinking out that it was exhausting and time consuming. But now, because I literally worked with them for 18 months and I would go in every three months and we would do the process and, you know, go back through our big, uh, big picture process and I'd refine their hundred minute meeting and we would continue to build and build. And it became so much part of their culture and how, they do meetings and the rhythm of their church that now everybody on staff is thinking through that lens. And he said, as they've had new staff come on, those people, as they're sitting in meeting, they get on board and they start thinking that way because it's, it's just part of their DNA. And, uh, you know, that church saw, you know, a lot of growth and uh, they're, they're in the middle of a, a building campaign. They're about to build 
an awesome building there and just, they've done a phenomenal job. And so uh, that's, that's one of the ones I really enjoyed working with them. And it was, it was a fun journey. That's awesome. Very, very cool. And you talked a lot about, um, you know, culture and, and in particular, like a vision is not going to work without, you know, without, you know, a culture, uh, you know, being aligned with that. And we all know the culture, culture trumps vision strategy. So let's talk about the power of, you know, a culture audit um, and, and to ter- determine our starting point. And, and you have, you know, I, right on your website, MomentumSwing.net, um, you have the culture audit on there. So talk a little bit about the culture audit. Just so you know, I changed my website. It's on my book, okay. MomentumSwing.net, but it's the Equip Group. Okay. EquipGroup.com now. So if you go okay. to the Equip Group, uh, com, you'll see it on there. It's right there on the homepage. It's a free audit. And I'm going to be honest, all it is, is I love a lot of what Pat Lencioni does. If you've never read his books, they're phenomenal. Yes. The way he Absolutely. Is, is genius. And a lot of people have been influenced by him. But in, in, in his book, uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, what I did is he talks really about, you know, the dysfunctions of a team. And a team of people is what creates a culture. So to do a culture audit, what I did is I reverse engineered the five dysfunctions that he talks about in his writing. And you can Google that, you know, after this yeah. podcast, and you'll see the images of what those are. But I reverse engineered those and turned those into questions to ask teams to really define, okay, what is it in our culture that that's weak? What is it on our team that needs, you know, attention? And so that's all that is. It's a free little questionnaire that's 20 questions and it spits out a score and people always ask well what what's a good score I always say anything under 80 you know you know there could be a red flag and you can kind of see the five different areas once you get done taking the audit uh, that's free on the website on uh, the equipgroup.com and on there you'll be able to kind of see that so what I wanted to do with that is just to create something that was free for people to use to evaluate man how is my team doing because you and I know this as lead pastors and uh, in, in our role, a lot of times we can think things are better than they are. And yeah. for me, yep. I want to know the truth. I just yep. want to know the truth. I want to be better. And if I hide from the truth, I won't get better. You know, so that is so true. Very well said. How often do you, do you recommend a, a team take the, the audit or a church to take the audit? Yeah. So what I was doing when I, when, when I would work directly with the church, I would every six months, I would say, Hey, why don't we do this again? And if it was somebody that I started with, and then we did that for six months, you would see the change. And here's the reason you would see the change. You would see the change because of really there's multiple things, but two things really big are um, when, when we talked about creating a uh, culture uh, carriers in, yep, in the book, yep. So in that section of where we talk about culture and creating culture carriers in that section, we really focus on your team living out the values of your church or your organization. And what that does, I've discovered is that just helps people. Number one, build more community and relationship among each other. And anytime you have more community, you have more trust and you're more effective. Right. And then the second thing is when you have the hundred minute meeting and the big picture process, a lot of staff members feel frustrated, not because the pastor doesn't love them or because things aren't great. They don't know really where the church is going. And not only do they not know where the church is going, 
they really don't know how they fit into that. And right. so they live in a state of constant frustration because the leader, the lead pastor hasn't defined, here's what we're doing. Here's our mission. Here's our values. Here's who we are. This is what we're about. And in the big picture process, you really define that. Who, who, who are we trying to reach? How are we going to reach them? All these different questions. And then the hundred minute meeting, when you have that meeting among your team, what it does is it, it shores up all the holes in the boat. Yeah. And there's real clarity because here's the thing. So you have to read the more on the book to get this, but with a hundred minute meeting, it really creates a place where people that don't want to work, they're exposed. Yes. And, and you know, those people, you want those people to find a new job and not be, <laughs> they don't want to work, but the people who really have a desire to be better and be part of the team, I've seen, they always rise, they, they rise up. And so, with those two things, as you take the culture audit, you'll see there'll be improvement of trust, of communication, clarity, um, expectations. And so it just really changes the environment. And um, I mean, these, these, these type things aren't unique to what I wrote about. I mean, these, a lot of people talk about these things, but the reason why I wrote this was just to credit, try to create a simple system that church leaders could follow. Well, and that's what's that's great about your book is it takes it takes a lot of this information that we've all gathered from different places and just kind of puts it into a, a very clear path that that can. It, it, it's fantastic, right? Everybody at, at the entire team can understand it, and you're all of a sudden you're all rowing the same way. It makes a huge, huge difference. So when you do the culture audit. And you score, and you you it exposes your weakness or or an area that you, a problem that you need to to solve or address. Um, how do you determine which is the priority and and what to do with that right away? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I mean, I think if there is a breakdown of trust, you know, that's a big problem. Um, mm -hmm. Trust is the foundation, and that's the foundation that Lencioni talks about in the five dysfunctions of a team. And so if there's a lack of trust, it doesn't matter how much clarity you have. It doesn't matter how awesome the service or the music is, man, if you don't have trust, you're in big trouble. So you have to really step back and go, okay, why do we not have trust as yeah. me as the leader? Have I created this problem and what can I do to fix it? And maybe I need to go to my team and like repent and I need to make some serious changes and I need to adjust. Or maybe there are people on the team that, need to find a new opportunity. You know, yeah. th there could be a lot of different things there. Uh, and I think you have to be honest enough with yourself and find some people around you that will be honest enough with you to help you to find that. But I feel like if you don't have trust, you know, you're kind of, you're in, you're in a bad situation. And a lot of churches, they think they have trust, but the reality is because there's been such a lack of clarity and they just keep doing the same thing. It's like, you know, every Sunday, just, you know, nothing's changing, nothing's moving. It's just the same thing over and over again. There's no momentum. Uh, it can, it can become burdensome and it can wear people down and so yeah. you've got to step back and really pray and find that clear strategy and vision and really figure out what is it that the Lord wants this church to do. Now we all know that the vision and mission of God's church is, the great commission, the great commandment, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't have some kind of secret thing. That's not what we're talking about on here, but yeah, how yeah. do you uniquely 
as your church, you as a leader, the people that God's entrusted you with, where you are, where God's placed you, how do you uniquely execute and live out the vision for that church and lead it in such a way that's effective and that honors God? Absolutely. And I mean, Jesus gave us a very, the very clear mission that you, you stated them, right? The great commission and, and the great commandment. The vision of how we're going to execute that, that's, that's having clarity on that does something that's amazing. Having a culture, which is really a behavior, that the behaviors that make sure that the vision actually gets done, having the right team, all of these things, putting all these things aligned. But you, I want to talk about, I want to focus on measurement for a second, because it's amazing how I, I'm, I find in talking with a lot of pastors, how, how many pastors don't measure or, you know, vastly or don't know how to measure effectively and measurement is what you don't measure you it, you can't effectively manage and so yeah and i've even sensed and i've heard and probably you have too resistant from a lot resistance from a lot of pastors about measuring because they they feel like well it's not just about numbers or just you know we, we, it's not just about that and <laughs> you can't measure the anointing all the other crazy things that that we've heard, but let's talk about measurement for a, a, a second and, and how to measure effectively and determine what are some important, important metrics to measure based on some of our values. Can you walk us through and just talk us through about, you know, properly measuring and what to measure in a church? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We, um, measuring does matter. Mm-hmm. We want people matter. I mean, we are in the people business. We are in winning people for Jesus. You know, that's the vision and mission of this podcast is to help people win people to Christ, you know, to see lives changed. And that's what we're about. That's what every church should be about. If you lose that in your church, like you need to step back and reevaluate. You got to win people to Christ, right? That's what we're about. And so um, it, it just, and I'm not trying to toot my horn, but I did my doctoral dissertation in discipleship. And a lot of people yeah. talk about discipleship. You can't, you can't have discipleship without salvation, right? right. It's part of this whole process, right? And yeah, so absolutely. We, we've got to win people to Christ. But anyway, I got sidetracked there. got a little passionate about that. <laughs> measuring. So I think you have to define what your church is about, you know? Yeah. So for Hope City, for example, our, our mission statement, what we're about is a relentless dedication to share the hope of Jesus with our city and beyond. Hope so good. to the city. So our name is in our mission, right? Hope yep. to the city, a relentless dedication to share the hope of Jesus with our city and beyond. The four kind of things that we are about is we want to help people know God, experience community, make disciples, change the world. Like these yep. aren't necessarily unique to us either. This is very much like purpose-driven, uh, Church of the Highlands, you know, everybody's kind of, but what I love about PD and what I love about what uh, Highlands has done is they've continued to try to bring clarity. If you hear Life Church with Craig Rochelle, he talks about the few things they do, right? So I always say you want to serve filet, not a buffet. You want to be lasered in on what you do and you want to do it well. So for us, I then, how I determine what I measure is filtered out of what I'm about. Yes. I want to help people know God. So I'm going to measure how many people are we reaching? How many people have given their lives to Christ? How many people have been baptized, right? Because that's my main goal is to help people know the Lord. So for us, that's a really big deal. Uh, the other thing for, for that is, you know, 
for us, we want to measure, you know, how many people experiencing community, how many people are going through what we call our connection class, which helps them go from a tender to what we call a connector, you know, so our yep. connectors are a member. So they become a connector. They're serving, they're giving, they're going, they're engaging, they're growing spiritually. So for us to experience community, we want to measure how many people are becoming connectors. I want to measure how many people are getting connected in our small groups, because for me, small groups are the lifeblood of experiencing community. Yes. Right? So for us, no God, I'm going to measure things that affect out experience community. I'm going to, and this is going to be different for every church, but you've got to define what those things are and then uh, make disciples. So that is interconnected with our small groups and serving as well. But for us, the way we see it is discipleship is everything we do. It's holistic, you know, and for us, you know, one of the things that we're really focused on is life on life discipling, what we call 3d groups. And we're a brand new church. So we're slowly implementing that. I've done these for years and years. Uh, but that's life on life discipling where people are coming in and we're equipping them to equip someone else. So it is them being a disciple maker. And then the last is change the world. So uh, like we've got some, uh, a big thing coming up called hope weekend. It's a three day mission, local mission emphasis. So I'm going to measure the impact we have. So for me, you have to measure in alignment with what you're about, with your, you know, your, your, your vision and your values, your mission. And, I think as long as you do that and you're honest with yourself, I think you'll be more effective. And so that's kind of a simple answer, but. No, it's so, it's so good. And so important it, in order to, cause I think a lot of times we, as pastors, we, we go by our feelings or emotions, you know, church felt good today. Uh, and then you get the actual numbers or the actual results and the, you know, the, the follow-up and the actual measurements and you're going, well, maybe it wasn't as effective as. I felt and, and we're, we don't, we just don't know until oftentimes we get into trouble as, as ministries and churches. And we find a weakness that exposes itself when it's too late. And I think measurement allows us to find uh, problems before they become big issues. And it also alerts us to where we're seeing big impact and strength and where we've got a team member killing it that we might not have necessarily noticed. So I, I think it's very, very important. We measure, we, we break down everything and saying, are, are we being effective? We, we measure something as simple as, you know, our second engagement for visitors that come in and we're going like, what percentage of them are, you know, engage back or respond to the text or email or, or phone call that we, that we've given to them. And, and it, we found that if we can get, you know, over 50% of them responding back that we're going to see a sustained growth. If we don't, then we've got a problem. We had, and then we adjust our systems about how, you know, how we're following up and finding ways to, and throughout COVID we had to drastically change because what we did before didn't seem to work the same way in COVID. People weren't responding the same way. So how do we, we caught that because of, because of being able to measure all of that. And so I, I think it's, I think it's huge. I love how you broke it down in the, in the book and, and highly encourage again, pastors to, to get your book and, and read it and have, have questions. Now you talked about the secret sauce being the hundred minute meeting and it really, really is. It kind of, that's the thing that captures all of this and makes it work. So we, we can cast a vision and then forget about it and nobody goes and does it. And we've got, we, we've accomplished nothing and we can, you know, address culture once or we can, you know, hire a team and going, we're done. But the hundred minute meeting keeps this thing, just everything just 
going. So talk about, about the 100-minute meeting and, and in particular how you've seen the impact on your ministry. Yeah, well, two things I want to say that I don't forget. Uh, the 100-minute meeting along with that big picture process, those two things working together with your big picture process, at least in the first couple of years, doing that every three months. And it feels yeah, repetitive, yeah. but it's a really big deal. And then the weekly 100-minute meeting. And if you miss a week, the world's not going to end. But consistently doing that, it may seem yeah. like we're done it, but I'm telling you, it'll make a big difference. And one of the things I want to mention, if you're a larger church like, like yours, Kelly, something or multi-site, something important to do is once you go from the like uh, executive staff level and you break it into departments, take that 100-minute meeting and turn it into like a 60-minute meeting. Okay. Yeah. For your departments. Cause a hundred minutes can be a lot for like the youth ministries meeting. So you can, you can shrink those times down, but it's following the process. So the way I've seen it over and over again is because you're going through your big picture process. So in the big picture process, you define what your items to accomplish are your ITAs. Those are the things that you want to accomplish based on your long-term vision in the next 90 days or three months. So in the yep. next three months, here's what we want to get done. So when you have your 100-minute meeting and you're every week, those, those objectives that each person on the team, you have, you have your whole church objectives, your ITAs for your whole church, but then even people on the team will have ITAs. Okay, those ITAs are very, very important. And every time you do that 100-minute meeting, those are read out loud and people give a report just briefly whether or not it's, you know, good or if it's off if it's off then- so for our audience the ita just is items to accomplish it so yeah that's that's perfect yeah it's good yeah those are the big things that you're trying to accomplish over the next three months and yep. from that whatever may be not in the right direction you put it on your whiteboard and then that becomes part of what i call nda name it drill down act on it so that's a big portion that's really the bulk of your 100 minute meeting but you go through your itas you go through uh, your to-dos that you had from the week before. So this is this is where this is good, guys, is every week when you have your meeting, everybody that shows up left the meeting the week before with to-dos, right? List of so good. And they're coming back the next week. And if they don't have them done, then that's going on the whiteboard and they've got to give an explanation. People don't like to show up to a meeting with the lead pastor or with the executive pastor or with their, you know, whatever, whoever's their oversight, whatever position that might be. And be like, well, I didn't get things done. You know, it starts to expose people because here's the thing. If you're a lead pastor out there, you've had this. Okay. You ready to hear this? Every one of us have people on our team that we love. Like we love them and they are awesome, but they drop the ball a lot. And we're like sitting there going, man, how do I have this conversation? I'm tired of having this conversation. It's draining my energy. I love their family and their children. And now I've got to go in here and have this conversation. Well, let me tell you something. The hundred minute me, what I found is it begins to weed out people who don't want to get things done because they got to show up to their meeting every week and say, you know, I didn't get it done. And then when you get done with each three month period and you go back and do uh, the ITAs again with your big picture process, if they didn't get those done, then things are, you know, really off for that person. Now you've got tangible reasons for them or their supervisor to sit down, but, that 100-minute meeting, you do that, so you go through, you read them off, and whatever isn't done obviously is exposed, and then you drill down. Anything else that's going on in the church or anything else that needs to be discussed is written on the list, 
And then you methodically go through that list and you knock those things out. And from those things that are on the NDA list, name it, drill down, act on it, you create new to-dos for the team in the meeting for the next week. Okay. So it continually creates this clarity. Here's where we're going. Here's what's happening. Nobody's in the dark. Who's getting things done? Are we executing? Stuff's not falling through the cracks. You know, so it really creates um, a lot of clarity and, and keeps you from, you know, messing up, missing things. What I, what I find about the entire system and in particular, what I think the effect of the 100-minute meeting, what I see is it, like you said, it brings clarity. So everybody is very clear on what is to be done and, and leaves, you know, very clear on what needs to be done. It, which also leads to the second thing, which there's very clear communication. So I think in a lot of churches where, you know, we struggle is we struggle in clarity. We struggle in, in communication and everybody knowing it. I mean, again, communication, if you're stuck on something, everyone's communicating in that meeting. The communication is very clear. If something's getting done or what's getting, it's there. The other thing that I think is really powerful is accountability. And it's not just accountability to a boss, but it's accountability. No one wants to come to that meeting and saying, I didn't get my job done, not just because their boss is there, but because they're saying to the entire team, <laughs> you know, we, yeah, no, I dropped the ball this week. That, that is, that creates a level of accountability. It's, which is, which is amazing. Hey, let me mention one thing because this is not in the book, <clears throat> because if you read this, I want you to have this help. So when we were doing, uh, I was working with churches and, you know, as you use anything, you get better at it. Right. Yeah. So at, what I was discovering with a lot of churches is they would define their ITAs, their items to accomplish. That's your three month kind of goals that you're setting for the church has a few. And you can read more about that in the book. And each department or individual may have two or three every three months. Yeah. What I began to define, uh, disc- discover, though, is sometimes those things would just kind of linger and people wouldn't execute. So if you've ever heard of the term lead and lag measures. Yes. Yeah. If you don't just Google it, it's real simple. So I created something called lead actions. And so it's another document that's not in the book, but it's simple. I'm going to explain it to you. Lead actions are simply take your item to accomplish. Let's say your item to accomplish is um, see 50 people accept Christ this month. Let's just use that one or this quarter. The next three months we want to see 50 people accept Christ. Okay. Or let, let, me, let, me, let me use a different one that may be a little easier. We want to see 50 first-time guests the next three months. That may be a little more obta- uh, you know, uh, obtainable for some folks. So let's see. We want to see 50 f- uh, new guests in the next three months. So what are the actions, the lead actions you can take to produce that result? Because you can right. write down, we want to see 50 new guests. And you're like, well, we haven't seen but three new guests in the last three months. So how are we going to see 50? Okay, so what are the lead actions? So this new element that's not in the book is these lead actions. So what are the things that I can do, the actions I can take to produce that 50 new people are going to come in? Uh, so one good. Could be, one could be we're going to go to uh, the community park and uh, uh, hand out 200 first-time guest cards, or I mean uh, invite cards. We're going yep. to uh, – do a Facebook ad and we're going to target 10,000 people, whatever those actions might be, you kind of get where I'm going, but it's, it's tangible actions. And then the other thing too is let's say it was, we want to see 10 people accept Christ. 
well, how many people do I have to share Christ with for, for one person to accept? Maybe it's 10 people and I get rejected nine times and one time somebody prays. So if I want to see 10 people come to Christ, I'm going to go share with a hundred. That's my action to produce the result. So whatever your action is or whatever your ITA is, make sure that you have a list of actions, three, four, five, that are, that are obtainable goals, like 50 of this, 30 of this, 20 of this, whatever those things are to produce the result that you want. Does that make sense? Totally. It, that is perfect. Like that, I love that. I mean, uh, easy ex- explanation I've heard of, of lead and leg measures is, um, you know, uh, uh, a lead measure is an action, like you said, of what I can get to result. A leg measure is like me stepping on the scale. It's like, well, I, if my goal is to lose weight, stepping on the scale, that's the leg measure. There's nothing I can do. Once I step on that scale, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> I can measure it. It's important to measure that, but there's nothing I can do. But the lead measure is I'm going to exercise three times a week. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So, so I say all action. that to say that's perfect. I love that explanation because your ITA sometimes can be like the, the lag. Okay. Yeah. It can be like stepping on the scale. You've got to make sure that you've got lead actions to accomplish whatever that big objective is. So that's, that's all I'm saying. That's so good. And, and we, we, this is what, again, reiterates the importance of, of measurement. So, and measuring everything. And we, we did actually measure and look at and saying, okay, what percentage of, you know, what, how many newcomers do we need to have in a year to reach our salvation goal in that year to be able to do that? And so then we could, and if we know that, and for us, it was like, we need to have a hundred percent of our average weekly attendance in, in newcomers in, in a year, like of that. And we need to have 50% of those are going to get this, get to salvation. So half of the visitors that we have come are going to, are going to lead into salvation. And then you can go, okay, well, in order to do that, we need to hit this goal. We have to do this. And it's the importance of all this stuff working together, man. This has been so good. Thank you so much for, for this. We just scratched the surface. So again, really encourage everyone to get your, your book and, um, and and read it's very very insightful very specific to churches very simple something that each pastor and team member should read and, and have a discussion around that man it, lastly is in this season of crazy craziness the world is crazy uh, um, and ongoing change is there anything you'd like to encourage you know pastors leaders about anything that's been on your heart you're saying that in this season man I just want to encourage pastors, I think the biggest thing for me right now is, um, you know, I pastored for 17 years. I took two plus years where I was doing full-time consulting and now I'm pastoring again. I started this new church and, um, you know, that was an interesting experience to step back into. I never thought I would start another church, um, Mm -hmm. but it's what, it's what the Lord had. And just to see, God's favor. I just want to encourage everybody that, you know, you just got to be faithful. You got to give it everything you got. You got to really um, depend on the Holy Spirit and, 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 and really, you know, seek the Lord and, and just trust him because if you remain faithful and you keep doing what God wants you to do, uh, God's going to just pour out the blessing on your efforts and your work. And what we're seeing at Hope City down in Southwest Florida is just unbelievable. Um, all, all glory to God. And uh, we feel like we're just at the beginning of really 
a move of God across this region. And we have no intention of slowing down what the Lord you know, wants to do. And so uh, your greatest blessing and, and, and your biggest impact may be in an unexpected area, in an unexpected thing. Not, so good. Thought, not what you thought it was going to be. Because when I was stepping back into pastor and I had different you know, opportunities of larger churches around the United States that I could have taken and, um, and chose this route. And I, I'm so thankful that I did. I mean, I'm so glad. I'm loving every minute of it. And, um, you know, with that, uh, I'll just close to say, um, when you feel that stress, because every pastor will, just trust God. I know that sounds so Sunday school, so generic, but I've not trusted God before. And I've tried to control everything. You know, you're sitting mm. listening to a conversation about systems and strategy and guys like me and, and Kelly are obviously very type A systems driven guys. And you can get into a place of stress and control. And yeah, you got to give it your best. and You need to do everything we talked about, but you've got to just trust the Lord and really press in and depend and, you know, abide in him and what he's doing, because that's really where your soul is going to be refreshed is in that relationship. And if you move away from that, uh, it can get really dangerous. So, so well said. So good, man. This has been so good. Where can our audience find you and your, your book online? Yeah, just Amazon. Uh, Amazon's the best place. Uh, Just momentum, uh, Eric Smith, that's where they can find the book. And then online, the equipgroup.com. Um, and uh, so that, that's the website. And then our church is Hope City, Florida, uh, is, is our Instagram and Facebook. And uh, that's, that's where I would encourage you to find that. Um, you know, you can, if you, if you search Eric Smith on Facebook, there's literally going to be 2 million people on planet Earth <laughs> that have my name. So, yeah. Um, you know, anyway, so yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for this conversation. It's been very insightful and so appreciate your wisdom. Hey, thanks for having me. Another great discussion. There is so much in what Eric said that I'm sure many of you are like, like drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot in there and there's a lot of references to, to things like the hundred minute meeting and different things where you might have questions. I, again, recommend you read Eric's book, Momentum. We have read it as a team. We have implemented this system as a team and it's had a huge impact on us. Yeah, absolutely. I love when you were talking about determine one area to grow in over the next three months. I feel a lot of times the ministry, we're just spinning multiple plates and then as one is losing momentum, we gain acceleration in another. And that point really struck out to me. I was literally just in a conversation with a bunch of leaders. It's like, how do we know when to move from one season to the next and which areas to focus on in those seasons. So super helpful. Yeah. And implementing the system as our our team has really helped us with focus. I think it's really helped us even relationally how we're interacting with one another. Um, But it's given us clear vision, clear direction, and really helped us with accountability. That's Mm -hmm. one of the things that we've been talking with a lot is that there seems to be clear accountability, not just from the top down, but co-accountability and it's been yeah it's been amazing so highly recommend you read these this book just for the meetings alone i think it's beneficial absolutely thank you guys so much for listening to the parallel leaders podcast and continuing to listen to it make sure you go grab the application guide for this episode on our website parallelleaders.com 
so that you can, uh, which includes actually a summary of our conversation and questions for group discussion. Yeah, we hope you feel inspired and by today's conversation, better equipped as a leader and with your teams. And at the end of the month, we're going to continue the conversation on growing your systems as we interview one of our listeners. I love these conversations. You will too. Don't miss that episode. And next month, we get to interview my friend, Pastor Brandon Stewart, our friend. He's an amazing leader, leads an organization called Leading Second, and we're going to dive into what it looks like to lead our teams. You're not going to want to miss that episode. You know what I love about Brandon is that he gives fuel to the second chair leaders. So those that feel they're in the middle and they're pulling people up, but they also are trying to figure out how to support their lead pastor at the same time, this is the fuel that's going to drive you. So you're not going to want to miss this episode at all. Well, that's it for today. Don't forget to rate and review us if you found this content helpful and subscribe wherever you're consuming this content to never miss an episode release. Guys, we'll see you next time. For this episode of Parallel Leaders, where we help you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or growth department under the microscope of eight growth points to optimize your effectiveness as a leader.